Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We have been uh, going verse by verse through the book of Galatians. Okay, let me give you the outline one last time. Listen, I told you, I think I was true to my word because I told you I was going to give you this outline every time we gather together, and I might have missed one. So I'm giving it to you one last time today. Chapters 1 and 2 in the book of Galatians, if you don't know, you now know chapters 1 and 2. Uh, Paul describes his personal experience with the grace of God. Chapters 3 and 4, Paul describes his doctrine and his doctrinal position in regards to the grace of God. And then finally, in chapters 5 and 6, Paul describes the practical application of the grace of God. So here we have it, our last time looking at it for a long time. Chapters 1 and 2, Paul describes his personal experience. 3 and 4, his doctrinal experience or his doctrinal understanding in regards to the grace of God. And then finally, his practical application. So important, as I've pointed out to you in the past, that we discuss and understand our doctrine before we can have any practice. If you understand that, say amen. Amen. It's very important. Now, if you have been with us, listen, we have been talking about the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. And Paul has been telling us, listen to me closely, please listen to me closely as we conclude. Please listen to me closely. Paul has been telling us that grace doesn't excuse or condone sin. I I want you to hear me. I I don't want to finish this teaching and you not be clear about this because there are some people, there is the danger of teaching grace and some people take grace and they use it as a license to sin. I know there's nobody here. I'm just trying to help you understand. Paul's point is that grace does not condone or excuse sin. And he made that point in chapter 5 by telling us in verses 19 through 21, you can peek at it if you like, but he, he went on to tell us that those who practice sinning will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then in chapters 5, verses 22, actually, in contrast to those who are practicing sin, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. Are y'all looking at tw- verse 22, chapter 5? The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And then Paul tells us there's no law against that. In other words, when you walk in the Spirit, you produce good things and there is no need for the law. 
And then last week, if you were not with us, Paul had been talking about bearing burdens and bearing fruit and doing good. And while doing good, he said, don't grow weary of well-doing because we're going to reap if we don't do what, saints? If we faint not. And if you weren't with us last week, you know, I, I really am tempted to go back over last week's teaching because last week's teaching was very, very important. Um, in the life of church, you uh, come across those times where, uh, you know, one teaching, you know, I, I personally think all the teaching is very good, but, but, <laughs> sheep. But there are some teachings that I think are just really strategic and important in the life of a church body. And, and they come up every now and then. We're going verse by verse through the scriptures. So, you know, it's important that we read the Bible, understand all of the scriptures. But some teachings really resonate as, as something that God was saying. And so, um, you know, last week's teaching in, in Galatians, talking about reaping and sowing. If you were not here last week... I'd encourage you to go to the bookstore and pick up the CD. I don't really have time to talk about it. But we were talking about just the law of reaping and sowing. And whatever a man is in the habit of sowing, that shall he also reap. Was anybody here last week? Okay, good. That's a good number of you. Uh, We talked about that. Pick up a CD. I don't know if there's any left in the bookstore, but you might want to pick one up. So this morning, Paul has come to the end of his letter. And get this, saints, this letter is different than any other letter that Paul wrote because this letter, listen, was written with Paul's own hand. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 11 through 18. We'll come back and we will have some comments. Galatians chapter 6 in verse 11, if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. See what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they might or may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Hmm. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your, what saints? Flesh. But God... Forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But here's what's important, being born again, a new creation. Are you getting me? And as many as walk according to, the, to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body, would you underline this? I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren or sisterin, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Say, stop right there. Give me your attention. Let me draw you back up to verse 1, if you will. Pardon me, verse 11. As Paul said, see with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Now, as I said, this letter is different than any 
other letter that Paul wrote because the other letters that Paul wrote, as you know, or do you know, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So of all the other letters that Paul wrote, they were dictated through a secretary. As you read them, you will see. They were dictated through a secretary. And then at the end of the letter, Paul would write a short note to personalize it. Also, he wrote that short note to add proof to the fact that it was really Paul who was sending the letter or who really wrote the letter. And you can find that if you're taking notes in 1 Corinthians 16.21. We won't take the time to look at it. 1 Corinthians 16.21, Colossians chapter 4, verse 18, 2 Thessalonians 3.17. Those three verses there say the salutation of Paul with my own hand. The salutation of Paul with my own hand. But this letter, listen, to the Galatians is different because... Paul wrote the entire letter, and notice the Bible tells us that he wrote with large letters. He wrote with large letters. Now, keep in mind, remember, Paul wrote this letter. Have you been with us? Do you know? He wrote this letter to defend the grace of God against the Judaizers who were trying to lead the Galatian Christians back under the law. And I believe Paul was so passionate, listen, I believe Paul was so passionate about this thing called grace that Paul said, I have to write this letter myself. And not only did he write it himself, but he wrote with large letters. Now, some scholars believe that the large letters refer to the fact that Paul had some type of eye problem, which he, some scholars believe he had malaria and he had some kind of eye problem, so And possibly that could be what he's talking about when he references the thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians. And maybe that's true. Or he could have wrote with large letters because he was using the large letters like we would use bold. You ever write something or type something and you bold that word or you might underline that word to be sure that every word was read. Also to make a bold statement. So Paul, he says, I wrote with large letters. It could be he's just making a bold statement with this letter. And his bold statement is simply this. Anyone who seeks to undermine, detract, or take away from, or add to the grace of God. Remember in Galatians 1.8, Paul said, let them be what? Accursed. And that's Paul's bold statement. Paul says, let them be damned to hell. Paul says, and I would say that boldly. Now notice in verse 12, as many as desire a good showing in the flesh, these compel you to be circumcised, but they don't suffer persecution for the cross. Now listen, got to understand something here. There was nothing wrong with Gentiles being circumcised. Do you understand that? There's nothing wrong with circumcision. There was nothing wrong with Gentiles being circumcised, but there was everything wrong with compelling, watch this, a Gentile to be circumcised in order to be saved. Everything is wrong with that. Because that's what we call legalism. Are you understanding? That's what we call legalism. Some people think legalism is to tell someone what is right and what is wrong. Oh, you tell somebody what's wrong or what's right, and especially in church. Man, you tell somebody, hey, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. Hey, that's legalism. Well, you shouldn't be fornicating. Don't tell me about legalism. Wait a minute now. Oh, I'm committing adultery. Hey, bro, you shouldn't be committing adultery. Hey, don't be legalistic. God loves me like I am. 
Yeah, well, God does love you like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. It's not legalism to tell someone what is wrong and what is right. What is legalism is to tell someone that if they don't follow a set of man-made rules and regulations, then they can't be right with God. Because God never compelled, listen, God never compelled the Gentiles to be circumcised. So this is the problem. The Judaizers were telling people in order to be saved, they had to and, and keep the laws. They had to be keep the laws of Moses and be circumcised. And Paul says, you know, these guys are classic hypocrites because they're compelling you to be circumcised and keep the law, but there were areas of the law that they preached that they didn't even follow. And don't you understand? Listen, religious people don't keep the law. Well, you know, we need to, we, we really, if you don't worship on Saturday, I mean, you're, you know, that you're guilty of hell's fire. If you don't do this, then you're guilty of going to hell. If you don't do that, well, maybe you don't do those things, but let's look into your life and see what you do do. Religious people don't keep the law. Well, if the Sabbath is so important, then if you really are a Sabbath keeper, then you can't even cook food on Saturday. Now, I don't know anybody doesn't eat anything on Saturday. Anybody here? Anybody anywhere? You can't wash clothes on Saturday. You can't even walk a certain distance on Saturday. Well, let me ask you, do you go to the supermarket on Saturday? You wash your clothes on Saturday? You clean your windows on Saturday? You clean your house on Saturday? Hope you do. Clean your house on Saturday? Yeah, well, I do those things. I just, uh, you know, well, wait a minute. You're not keeping the Sabbath. Religious people, here's the point, don't keep the law. And these religious Judaizers didn't want to put up with the persecution that comes because of the cross. And Paul said their real motive for their ministry was to make a good show so they could boast and glory in their flesh. But in contrast, verse 14, go ahead and look at it. Paul says, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I literally stand crucified unto me. And I to the world stand crucified unto me. Paul says the world has been crucified to me and I stand that way toward the world, literally. You know, like, unlike people today, you know, people don't care about they, they, they didn't care about the glory that came. Paul didn't care about the glory that came uh, from, from fleshly efforts. Paul didn't care about the glory that came from riches. Paul didn't care about the glory of status and power. Paul only cared about the glory of the cross. The glory of the cross or boasting in the cross. Now listen to this. There couldn't be any two words... In the Bible, more opposite than glory and cross. These two words, listen, didn't even go in the same sentence. And the reason these words are completely opposite is because there was nothing glorious about the cross. I mean, think about that. The cross was the underscore bold underline. The cross was the most humiliating and shameful way to die. As a matter of fact, listen to this. In the polite Roman society, if someone was condemned to die by crucifixion, the sentence structure, because they were condemned on a document, the sentence structure on that document would say that they are condemned 
and they are to hang on the unlucky tree. They are to hang on the unlucky tree. The word cross was never used in the document. Are you getting me? Okay. The word cross was like the unmentionable word. So Paul not only used the unmentionable word, but he also gloried in it. The unmentionable word, but he also glory in it. No one would ever glory or boast in the cross. When Paul says, I glory or boast in the cross, listen, Paul isn't talking about a piece of wood that Jesus' hands and feet were nailed to. He's not talking about that. Do you understand that the cross was just a piece of wood? Now, there are people... I hope you know where I'm going with this. There are people who worship the cross. They've come to me and said, Pastor Rodney, how come there's no cross in the church? You should have a cross in the church. How come, what is that thing behind your head? How come there's no cross in the church? Because, you know, and I actually, <laughs> I didn't really even occur to me one time. They said there's no cross in the church. I, I began to think, I went, you know, they're right. There, there is no cross. There's no cross in the church. And some people, they want a cross because for them to see something tangible or to see some image gives them a point of contact. And some people even go as far as to worship the cross itself. Some people get upset that we don't have a cross in the church. I know some people don't even come to the church because they don't think we love Jesus. We don't love the cross. That's why we don't have one. Listen, we don't worship the cross because the cross is not important. The cross is a symbol. Can you say a better amen than that? The cross, listen, is just a symbol. The cross is not important. It's what happened on the cross that's important. The cross was a piece of wood. The cross was a tree, but it's what happened on the cross that is what is important. Paul says, I glory and I boast in the fact of what happened on the cross. He says, I'm glorying, I'm boasting in the fact that our sins were paid for. Atonement was made. Redemption complete. Tetelestai, it is finished. Paul says, I'm glorying in that. That's what he means when he says, I'm glorying in the cross. He says, I'm not, I don't have hope in all these other things. I don't glory or boast in other things. I, doesn't that beg the question, what do you boast in? What do you boast in? You know, some people boast in their good works. Well, I'm a good person. I help Jerry's kids. I help out the March of Dimes. I run for cancer research. I'm a good person. Listen, none of those things are bad. All of those things are good. But don't trust in those things to make you righteous. Somebody say amen. Amen. Don't trust in those things to make you righteous. Some people boast in their religious affiliation. Well, you know, I'm a fourth generation Baptist. (laughs) You got to say it like that. See, I'm learning. I'm from up north, y'all, but I'm learning. It's Baptist. I'm a fourth generation Baptist. My grandpappy was a Baptist. My peppy's peppy was a Baptist. My peppy's peppy's peppy was a Baptist. They glory in their, you know, their religious affiliation. Well, I'm a member of the Catholic Church. Well, I'm a member of the Episcopal Church. 
Well, I go to Calvary Chapel. Man, I go to Calvary Chapel. Are you boasting that? Some people boast in those kinds of things. Some people boast in their intellect. And because of their intellect, they reject the message of the cross. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 23. You might want to write that down as Paul said, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Greeks, foolishness. The cross causes people to stumble. Now, here's the message of the cross. Listen, saints, and it's the message of grace and it's a message for you and it's a message for me. Here's the message of the cross. Jesus Christ, the son of God, died for the sin of all humanity, past, present and future. And listen, no matter what you have done, are you listening? No matter what you have done, if you accept Jesus Before you take your last breath on earth, you will go to heaven. That's what the Bible says. So people say, you mean to tell me that you can live your entire life as a sinner? You can live your entire life with sex, drugs, rock and roll, hip hop? Just trying to be relevant. Some of y'all into that too. You can live your entire life. You could murder someone. And at the end of your life, Rodney, you mean to tell me you could do all of these things. You could murder someone. And at the end of your life, in the 11th hour, you can lay there and accept Jesus Christ into your heart. And you can take your last breath and go to heaven. Is that what you're telling me, Rodney? That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't confuse it. Don't get it twisted. I'm not encouraging you to live your life this way. Do I need to say that, Doc? Okay, I said it. Okay. But what I am saying is that you, this is what we call grace. Now, you should give your life to Jesus today. The Bible says the day is the day of salvation. When you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. You should give your life to Jesus today, not wait until you're on your deathbed and and hope that you have an opportunity to take your last breath. Hello, that's your problem. Because how do you know you're going to have your opportunity in the lap in the 11th hour? You don't know that. You don't know that. You know what I mean? People in the graveyard right now that didn't know they were going to die the day they died. I would say go ask them, but you can't. (laughs) You don't know you're going to have 11th hour. But what I'm saying is that if you have an 11th hour, I know what I'm talking about. I was at Western Wake and I held the hand of a man in the emergency room and he couldn't speak to me. But I believe he could hear me. And I read the Bible to him and his son was right there. And I read the Bible to him. And I prayed with him. I prayed for him. And I asked him, if you can hear me, I said, if you can hear me, I said, just squeeze my finger. And just enough, I knew he could hear me. Ask him if he wanted to accept Jesus. 11th hour I'm talking about. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Squeeze my finger. Just a little bit. Gave his life to Christ. Deathbed salvation took his last breath several hours later, went home, I believe, to be with Jesus. It can happen. It can. I'm going to wait. That's exciting. (laughs) I'm going to wait. 
That's what we call grace. And see, we don't understand that. We, don't, we say, oh, well, you're going to live your life the way you want to live your life. Then, hey, I'm not going to give you an opportunity. We don't really get that. But this is grace. Why do people have a problem with grace? Why do people have a problem with grace? I, I will never understand why people have a problem with grace when in fact it was by grace that you became saved. How is it that you get saved by grace, but then as the years go by, you need to stay saved by the law? Y'all know I'm a preacher myself. That's okay. I'm, uh, I don't know if you get me or not. How is it that you got saved by grace, but you're going to stay saved by keeping yourself saved? When you gave your life to Christ, it had nothing to do with you. You were going the other way. God came running you down. You stopped taking a breath. He was standing right there. He tapped you on your shoulder. You're like, oh, I'm trying to get away from you. You can't get away from him because he loves you enough to keep running you down. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.